another fantastic episode of Feed the Fish. I want you to picture the scene. It's late at night and you're getting ready for bed. But because, like most people, you don't just go straight to bed, you actually are going to do something first. What are you going to do? You're going to scroll through your phone because this is what people do at night. That's what I do often. I'll be brushing my teeth or I will be waiting to go to sleep just lying there maybe I'll be having a cup of tea I quite love having a cup of Earl Grey tea or peppermint tea um, I don't often have fancy drinks at night so peppermint tea is quite nice very simple don't even bother with milk although who would have peppermint milk you it's just such a horrible picture such a horrible thought such a horrible taste never mind okay so set let's set the scene so there you are you're getting ready for bed you're you're scrolling through your phone what, what are you watching what are you looking at well two years ago a nondescript youtube channel published a video about a certain kind of toaster and this kind of toaster is a toaster called the sunbeam and it is the oh, what is it it's the amazingly automatic sunbeam toaster i'm actually going to quickly give it a google Sunbeam toaster. I'll find it. It's a Sunbeam two slice toaster, but it's not the new one. Let's put it like that. There we go. It's a toaster developed in 1949, and here we go. 1948 was invented by Sunbeam engineer Ludwig J. Kochi, and it's ingenious. It's the Sunbeam Radiant Control Toaster and it is sold from 1949 all the way through till the late 80s, even though it was, if I'm not mistaken, only discontinued in 1997. Well, there are a number of different names it's known by, but there is this, there is this particular YouTube channel called Technology Connections with a rather nondescript name, which explained precisely why this old toaster is almost certainly better than yours and possibly deadly. And in this week's episode of Feed the Fish, we are going to be discussing toasters and toast. And of course, we'll be paying attention to this because last night, as I was going to sleep, I decided to watch a video about toasters. You know, what else do you do? So anyway, this machine is a silver toaster. Uh, metal on the outside it has two slots on the top uh, often toasters have the slots running from one end to the other sort of along the long end of the toaster this one has them on the short end of the toaster so it's sort of 90 degree angle to what you'd expect this has nothing to do with the operation of the toaster whatsoever it has two sort of plastic handles near the bottom so you can pick it up and carry it around uh, being a metal toaster with a metal heating element it gets hot and sort of the 1940s, 1950s, they weren't so concerned about health and safety. We'll get to that because this toaster just might kill you. But it is a good toaster because it's got this incredibly clever design that basically, it's incredible. So what happens is the first thing you want to do when you get a good piece of toast is you want to place the toast into the toaster. I mean, the idea and the principle of having a toaster is that you have the heating element 
precisely close to the bread so you can carefully measure how toasted your bread is because that's always my problem you get toast you put it in it comes out black or it comes out you know hardly blemished hardly breathed on by the warm air of the toaster and you just get this inconsistent toast which is either chewy bread which is what nobody wants or it is charcoal briquette which is also what nobody wants and no amount of butter will save it and you'll put in the first batch but by the time the toaster is warmed up it's kind of well there's no ways you're going to get the toast that you're actually looking for and no one gets that perfectly golden brown toast on both sides with a soft um, soft inside and a perfect crust um, this is one of the reasons why I don't order toast when I go out uh, because I'm picky and also because I want a particular kind of toast if I'm going to pay for toast I want good toast and so the toast that you're going for and there's a often when you go for breakfast they'll they'll underdo the toast and you'll find a toast with a very very almost a hint of toast on the outside a very little chemical changes occurring so basically it is a piece of warmed bread which has been made chewy on the outside it's hideous and despicable and only serves the vehicle for those small plastic things of butter to enter into your system it's really a vehicle that you use, otherwise you just eat the butter straight. That isn't good toast. You also get those places that cook toast so well that it's almost cooked through. So this toaster manages not to do that, and it's ingenious. So the first thing you do is you put the bread in the toaster. When you put it in the top, um, what happens is there's this mechanism in there, which as soon as it detects the toast, and it's all mechanical and on levers and things. It's, it's ingenious. You can watch the video. I'll link it in the description. So you can go and watch why the Sunbeam Radiant Control Toaster is much better than yours. And what happens is it lowers the toast automatically into the machine. So you don't have to singe your fingers on the way down. Which is kind of nice. Especially if you just used it a couple of times. Well, after you've done this, after you've placed the toast in, it sinks down into the and begins to heat up and so what happens is there's this sensor on the inside and as the toast drops there's a little panel that drops as well and the sensor is in a carefully constructed gap between the heating coils and is shielded from them and this radiant heat sensor hence the radiant control is pointed not at the heat of the toaster and it's not, the whole toaster isn't based on a timer. Modern toasters are based on a timer. So if it's boiling your toast alive or hardly touching it, it doesn't matter. If it's a minute, it's a minute and pop out it comes at some vicious spring-loading velocity. But this toaster has a radiant thermostat, which detects the radiant heat level radiating off the slices of bread on the inside of the toaster. It's shielded from the heating coil, so what you're only getting is that heat radiating back, and it's very, very accurate. And so what happens is that the bell rings in the background. While I talk to you about this, you can probably hear it, but I don't know. But in any case, there's no bell in the toaster, don't be misled. It's just the church down the road. But what happens is, it detects the heat coming off the bread. And when the bread reaches a certain heat, reaches a certain temperature, lo and behold, the mechanism reverses, the toaster switches off, 
and the toast is slowly and gently encouraged to rise up out of the toaster without some nasty spring-loading high-velocity toaster warfare. Instead, it delightfully rises up for you to take it. Now, the mechanism that does this is ingenious. The, basically, the heating element is made of this very thin and, but very durable wire, which slightly expands and contracts. And there's a very clever mechanism that the video goes into. It describes exactly how this mechanism basically allows you to... Well, basically, this is what causes the bread to sink down and sink um, and to rise upwards, because as the thing expands when it's hot sorry when it's hot yeah it expands and what happens then is that the bread is pulled down into the machine but as soon as the switch turns off it contracts when it cools and what happens is that then applies pressure to the right levers which slowly pushes up the bread so even the literal heating mechanism of this toaster allows you to go and make the bread rise and fall appropriately are their shortfalls. I mean, what I've described to you is a toaster that's able to rather accurately produce well-made well toast from a machine and relatively without the danger of burning your fingers or catapulting crumbs across the counter or toast if your machine is particularly vicious. I don't own a toaster because I don't want to own a machine in my home for baking and cooking, which which only purpose is to infuriate me with the sort of failed attempts at making toast. So I don't own a toaster because the toasters are you know, the devil's work. But the real point is, what are the weaknesses of this toaster? Well, the weakness is that it is a metal toaster and it is not grounded. Which means that at any moment, should anything go wrong, or indeed at any moment at all, as a matter of fact, the entire inside and possibly the outside of the toaster is live and connected to the mains. If you were to touch the toaster with a piece of metal or with your hand and were particularly unlucky, you would certainly suffer. One might say you would be toast. <laughs> And that's the toaster. I'll link it in the description. If you are, well, I mean, I guess toasters are a bit of a niche interest. So I'm interested in toasters because I'm interested in good toast. And so if I find a toaster that produces good toast, maybe one day I'll learn one. But until then, I won't. I'll make it in a pan myself and carefully watch it and flip it and turn it and, and be sure that it comes up perfect. But until that day. So if you're interested, I'll put the link in the description. You're welcome to watch it. If you're not interested, well, maybe you will be in the next story because uh, I suppose this is kind of a story and a fact, but I'm doing a fact after this and I'm not doing a discover. So what is the, what is the fact for this week? The fact is, and I'm sorry to break your hearts if you are sort of a big St. Nick fan. Don't worry, I'm not going to say anything about Father Christmas. I'm going to say the actual St. Nicholas who you know, was called... Father Christmas, the one who was allegedly at the Council of Nicaea. He was originally known as St. Nicholas of Myra. And apparently, the story, as the story goes, he was at the Council of Nicaea, where they were busy hammering these doctrines out and hammering out 
the Nicene Creed, which Christians still say today. This is 325 um, AD, and there was this man named Arius, and he was a heretic. He, he believed a false doctrine that Jesus Christ was not God. In fact, he was less than God. He was sort of a, another, just another creation of gods. And of course, this is heresy. This is not what Christians believe. Christians believe in the Trinity, uh, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And and so to say that Jesus isn't God is really to discount that and is wrong. It's heresy. And they had this meeting where they were busy trying to work out who Jesus really was. And they were studying the scriptures and trying to make a statement that they could push out so that people would know, okay, this is the official position. And Arius apparently was punched in the face by St. Nicholas. And this is a popular legend. I have seen Facebook memes about this. I have seen uh, icons and artwork. Icons, not as in app icons. Icons is a little sort of holy pictures. It's not normally our church's stance to holy pictures, but I mean, they exist. And there's artwork describing, or picturing, I should say, St. Nicholas punching Arius in the face at the council of Nicaea. I hate to break it to you, but it's highly unlikely that that happens. Because even though it is possible that St. Nick was at the Council of Nicaea, did attend and did join in condemning Arius as a heretic, it's pretty unlikely he punched him on the nose, because the very first occurrence of that legend is only a good thousand years after St. Nick died. So there is the fact for the week. It is really an anti-fact. It is debunking a falsehood. And so, unfortunately, I hate to break it to you, but St. Nick did not punch Arius in the face. And if you found that amusing, well, good for you, because I will be recording another episode of Feed the Fish for next week, and I will see you then.